0: Welcome to the Present Age Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Malloy. Joining me today is Daily Beast editor-at-large and host of the new abnormal podcast, Molly Jong-Fast. Let's get started. Oh, hello, Molly. (laughs) Hi, Parker. It's so fun to
1: get to, like, meet you. Yeah,
0: I know. We've... we've We followed each other on Twitter for like, what, like four or five years or something?
1: I I don't know. It it feels like my entire life, but I know it's not.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just the the past several years have been um, a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So, but yeah, this is the first time we're we're actually like talking and and seeing each other. That's right. Yeah. The people listening cannot see us, but. No, but But we we
1: exist. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, So. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me for this, for my, my, my fledgling little podcast. Oh, I'm honored. Nothing, nothing compared to yours, I'm sure.
1: I mean, I would say like the thing with podcasts is like, uh, you do like there, there, you just, you do it. And then people, I mean, that's, you can't, you know, unless you have like the suspension of disbelief, then you can't do, you know, you know what I mean? If we like, so uh, they're just, you know, why won't it be fabulously yeah. successful? It'll be great. It'll be Great. <laughs> uh,
0: well, and, and, and so, so, so basically with, with this, it's like, so I started, I, I made the decision to leave my old job and start writing a newsletter, which we'll see how that works out. Um,
1: and then, Weiss is making $8 million a year.
0: I am not making $8 million a year. I
1: don't know. Like, how is she making it? She's not. She's making supposedly what the reporting was eight hundred thousand. But I was like, it's possible. It's possible.
0: It's. I I do not doubt for a second that there are people making millions of dollars a year with Substacks. But I I am uh, I am not at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, me neither. But yeah. yeah, um. But yeah, so when doing that, I was just like, what else can I do? And uh, one of the people at, at Substack who they run my website or they, not run it, but power it. Um, they, they were like, well, we just added podcasts. And I was like, yeah. that's cool. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. It's my way of doing podcasts without having to dive too far into it. So here I am trying a podcast, but one th- <laughs> one thing I always try to do is I try to get a, um, I try to get a, transcript of every episode made in full, which is wow. either extremely time consuming or very expensive, but I think it's yeah. worth it.
1: So It's very, I mean, tr- transcription services are like my nemesis. And you will see why when you transcribe me, because like I have one vocal cord, so I sound very weird. And then I have all sorts of weird affectations that are not necessarily fancy. They're, some of them are just saying like, or verbal tics. And so I t- I come off, you'll see. Okay, and we'll, we'll see. I'll I'll, I'll I'll send
0: this one through the service, and we'll see how it goes. But uh, but yeah. So I uh, when I invited you on, I was just like, I'm sure she'll write something amazing that I will then have be able Aww. to be like, yes, let's talk about that. So Aww. luckily for me, you did. You did recently Aww. write something amazing. Oh,
1: thank you. So
0: I want to talk about. Uh, you know your your new piece for vogue that's titled what our new age of pandemic anxiety looks like and how to deal with it is that okay
1: with you yes i'm awesome. i am like this is a topic that i am so well versed on i hate how well versed i am oh same same yeah. which
0: is which is the thing it's like i so i really related to it especially yeah. this idea of health anxiety which isn't yeah. isn't actually a term that i hurt before, no, which you, yeah. you described as the, the conviction, conviction that even though you don't have any symptoms, you know, deep down that you're sick. And that is just me to a yeah. freaking T. Yeah. Um, can you talk a bit about your experiences with that?
1: Please. So I had an interesting, I had, I a very anxious. I was very anxious always in my life. And my aunt told me once that my grandmother had said, I am not religious. I am just profoundly superstitious, which I feel like points to a family that has long suffered from anxiety. And, you know, I always think you don't get to be the Jews who left Europe in the 1800s without being very stressed. Right. Because not only were you like you you were like, we're out of here, like they're going to murder us. And a lot of my, on my grandmother's side, there were, I had great-grandfathers who had, like, died in the pogroms. And so I do feel like, really, the anxious people got out early. And because they were like, we're all going to get murdered. <laughs> so in some ways, it was a, it was, a, you know, a good adaptation, right? Anxiety, it saved all our lives. I see a kid here. Um, The kids have no, they... Just come in and oh, come out, God. teenagers. Um, but uh, so so in some ways it was good. My grandmother was like, she had worry bagels. She had worry fish. She had, you know, when you, you got on an airplane, you got on with your right foot, you knocked on the side of the plane three times and you got, right. So I am coming from a very crazy bunch of people. And growing up, I had... Um, You know, I was my I traveled a lot with my mother. She would always like be crossing herself. I mean, we're Jews, but crossing (laughs) herself, we get on an airplane praying, rosary beads, was raised by a Catholic nanny who had lots of rosary I had rosary beads on my bed. Like the craziest stuff in the world. So when I got to be about twenty. Eight. Uh, no, like the thir- early thirties. My so I'd always been very neurotic, and I went through a period where I didn't fly, which was like complete. You know, people were like, "What are you, a lunatic?" And I was like, "I was like, no, I. You know, I. I mean, yes, and no, right? <laughs> so. But then when I got to uh, my early thirties, I had this best friend who was, um, you know, she was, you know, like all of us, a complicated person, but she. Had, um, and her, she had this terrible story where her mother had gotten murdered and then her husband had divorced her, and it had just been this terrible story. And then she had gotten this brain tumor. And, uh, as soon as she got it, we sort of knew it was like, I mean, brain tumors already, you don't want one. And this was like the worst one. And it just, <clears throat> so for a year and a half, she like fought and fought and fought and fought. And it was the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, she, died right after she turned 40. But it was like the work, like she went to, you know, she was on a walker. I mean, it just was, she couldn't talk. I mean, it was just awful. And basically the minute she died, I was like, I have one too. And it was like, because I just couldn't process that this could happen and that this is just the way life is sometimes. And so I became like obsessed that I had one too. And so I went down this road of health anxiety. And it's funny because it's like, if you look at the statistics, it's like 5% of all, you know, it's about half of all anxious people suffer from health uh, health anxiety. And if you think about it, you know, so the statistics are like 10% of American public suffer from anxiety. I can't imagine it's that low. Like, I mean, if it is, then everyone I know is in that 10%. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, so- I went through a period of being like convinced that I just needed one more scan. I just needed one more, this, I just needed one more, that, Uh, if we could just get the, this. And, you know, also during that time I got a melanoma on my back and it was a zero stage. It was fine. You know, they caught very early, but you know, that also like triggered my, you know, I was in my mid thirties and, you know, I said to my dermatologist, I was like, I can't believe this happened to me. And I want, and she was like, you know, you're totally pale. You grew up in that generation that never used sunblock and you're 33. I can't believe you didn't have it 10 years ago. Right. (laughs) And, but that was like good for me because, you know, I get stuck in my own head in a very kind of ugly way. So to be able to like get someone who says stuff like, come on, man, you know, to quote Joe Biden is very, um, is very helpful for me. So I got the melanoma taken out. I'm very careful about getting it checked. But yeah, so it's interesting too. And when I interviewed that, that it's, so it's, so that was how I got into it. Mm -hmm. I was, I hope I answered the question. Oh yeah, no, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And it's just something that I really relate to And, and, and just kind of at, at the beginning of, um. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I kind of, I used to joke around to myself that this was kind of my bane in the dark night rises moment. <laughs> because By that point, I'd been working from home for several years. I was like, oh, you're worried about catching a de- deadly virus. Every single time you step outside, welcome to the club, yeah. you know? And part of why I kind of struggle so much with health anxiety is that deep down, I know that there will come a day where my worries aren't unfounded yeah. where i really am sick where i really will get worse and where mm-hmm. i really will die and that's yeah. sort of this this idea that floats through my head constantly you know you always get better until one time you don't yeah um, you know but,
1: I, yeah oh god yeah ahead. I, but the thing that i learned a lot from a lot you know i stopped going to regular therapy and i got this uh behavioralist who really focuses just on anxiety and you know most of his patients are either flying or health or Uh, agoraphobia or something. And the thing that he always says is like the, with anxiety, it's the inability to live with uncertainty.
0: Ooh, that's, yeah, that's an interesting way to kind of think about it. And, and that's, uh, that, that is again, tragically relatable for me because it's this, uh, I, I don't know. And I feel like I work in the work, have worked in the wrong industry to, to have this sort of feeling because I was a lot of that kind of carried over to fears of things like getting fired or yeah. like being laid off and not being able to pay my bills you know and for instance i used to sort of worry that i was constantly on the verge of losing my job yeah. and then i would convince myself oh no it's all it's all just in my head i need to overcome this and watch everything will be fine and it, it usually is until one right. time it isn't fine <laughs> right. and one time i did get laid off at, at right. a job that was just downsizing And then I had another job where I was about to uh, where they laid off a bunch of people and I like kept making the cut. And then finally one surge of layoffs, I did not. And these things, rather than see them as rare occurrences that we just sort of have to deal with and roll with, I kind of kept the negative things would reinforce all of my bad habits. And all right. of my bad like thoughts, and that was kind of something that's that sort of played played into it with you know with this uh, with with the pandemic especially you know yeah. as, as it as it plays out because when in early 2020 there was. Remember back when they were like, "Don't buy masks. You're right. you're fine. Masks. You don't need masks." And then I went yeah, yeah. and decided I was like, "Screw them. They're lying to us. I'm getting all the masks I can." Yeah, right. <laughs> Which <clears throat> I know that's not helpful. I know that only fuels the like toilet paper shortage stuff that yeah. we had going on. But I also had a lot of toilet paper because I was like, <laughs> "No, screw you guys. You're not telling us the truth." I'm, I'm very distrustful of the government generally. Yeah.
1: You well, know? the toilet paper was a good call because like we, yeah. we couldn't get toilet paper. I mean, it was just, but I would say like the cycle. So one of the, pro, one of the things that struck, that was problematic for me was that I was in a cycle of reassurance seeking. So I wanted to know that everything was going to be okay and that we were going to be okay. And that you were going to like that, that the turbulence didn't mean the plane would crash or, you know, and what I had to do for me, and I even got into it was my shrink. And he was like, stop it. I'm not going to reassure you. I am not going to text you back, you know, um, which is that I had to say, like, it's not that even the question of, is it going to be OK, is problematic. Hmm. Like, I don't need to answer questions like I have thoughts that are going to come into my head that are going to be like, will I be laid off? And I just say that is an anxious thought this is part of my anxiety. It's not, you know, I, we, I can't, you know what I mean? And just like, but I don't fight it. I mean, cause that's the problem is if you fight it, it gets worse. So I don't fight it. I just merely wait, hold on. I got a dog here. Uh, I just merely, ah, here we go. This is Leo. Hello, Leo. Let the record reflect that a very adorable rescue puppy has come into the chat. Oh. How how is your guy?
0: Oh, he's great. He uh he's currently at the uh, at the dog park. Which, oh, he's uh, so
1: cute. I is, yeah, he's
0: I, he's just the best. He's tiny and adorable. Yeah, you. he's. I, I feel like he'd be he'd be friends with Leo.
1: Oh yeah, no, they would love each other. Um, but yeah, so uh, so yeah, so to not engage with the thoughts, but not to fight them. Which is very hard because, you know, like, even now, still a long time later, I want to, like, fix my thoughts or I want to fight with them. I want to say, like, that's not true. And the more I can just, like, see the thought, not engage with it, just be like, this is the anxious thought. This is it's an unwinnable proposition. Right. Because we don't know what the future's going to look like. We don't even know if they're going to be jobs. Yeah. We could all be sub-stack millionaires.
0: Yeah, we could. And,
1: yeah. Like and, Barry Weiss. Yeah. And maybe someday I will. Who knows? Who knows? Right. I mean, so, uh, so, yeah. So the idea that you can't, you can't win a thought. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah.
0: that's, that's a great point. I mean, because I, um, you know, so go, going into the, right before the 2016 election, I was working, I was working at Upworthy at the time, which was a very oh, yeah. weird, weird fit for me. Um, but it was, it was fine. Um, and, there was someone, one of my coworkers was just like his, his whole thing was he set up a, a Slack channel and was just like, you know, go in here and uh, I will reassure you about the election. Because <laughs> I know you're all, I know everyone's worried that Trump's going to win, but let me reassure you. He won't. He won't. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Don't, don't worry. Look, look, here's what the odds show, you know, and he would even point to right. like 538 or something. And then election night happened and it was like how how could this happen we've been reassured repeatedly you know and and that's the thing it's like we can't be sure of anything in the world and i and i feel like this this need to be reassured probably does contribute to it that's and your piece really hit that hit that point home in a way for me that i haven't been able to kind of um I had been able to kind of come up with on my own before reading it. So that's why I really enjoyed, um, oh, enjoyed. Thank that. You.
1: And I spend a lot of time thinking about anxiety because it's such a root of my life and my mother's and my children, you know, there's just a long, so I really do find it. I do. I don't know. I relate to the sort of, I relate to the, um, the struggle with it and i just think about it a lot so the other thing i would say that i just about the 2016 election was i was in an election watching party and i was like they i was like watching the needle go from like blue to red and I was like, it felt like turbulence on an airplane. Like I had that same feeling of like, like we're going through extreme turbulence, like all flight attendants sit. Like I was like, like I felt it in my ch- chest and I, I couldn't, and usually I don't have that feeling. Like unless I'm like, you know, at a doctor's office and they're like, we're well, going to want to biopsy this or something, but like, and I, I couldn't, like it was the first time in my life where I thought like, oh my God, this election, cause you know, a mitt Romney, I mean, no one likes Mitt Romney, but like he wouldn't you know yeah. he wasn't gonna like arrest all Mexicans, yeah, you know, and uh, it was the first time in my life where I thought like, oh shit
0: yeah i I mean it, I had kind of the same same sort of idea, I was never one of the I was never one of those people who who was very um. Like oh Trump can't win, he won't win. Yeah, I I always think the worst possible thing that can happen will happen. (laughs) So going into election night, I was like, he's so gonna win. It's gonna be terrible. (laughs) I I I was not one of those overcome people. I was sitting there like just shaking on edge, you know, waiting waiting to see how it worked out. And you know, and and after the twenty twenty election, when when everyone was celebrating in streets and stuff. I'm like, he's still in office. Give it time. Yeah. He might try to find a way to stay in there. You know, the, the, oh, piece, yeah. the piece that I put out, the uh, I, I wrote a piece that went up at Media Matters the, the morning after the election. And it was basically, now watch, he's going to try to do something. And then they tried and to And he do it did. Something. So yeah. I was like, this thing yeah. isn't over as much as we all want it to be. But, uh, he,
1: yeah. you know, he never, ever, I mean, they got him out, but he never ever was like, "Okay, I lost."
0: Yeah, no. To this day, he think, he still talks about how he won, and I I I think he's going to run in twenty twenty four, and I think he might win. Which is I know. And, and if too. he wins after the past after like the four years of being out of power, he's going to be mad, it's <laughs> and it's, gonna it's not going to be it's not going to be okay. But it's not
1: going to be okay. That's right. I'm
0: I'm trying to to take it day by day and step by step and hoping right. that i'm not you know uh, because because there's not there's nothing i can say or do that will change these outcomes i mean i i may have my tiny little sphere of influence but anyone who's listening right. to me is not a Trump voter, <laughs> right. you know. Is it, yeah. I, I, I've talked to people who have voted Trump and uh, for Trump and had constructive conversations because I think those things are important. But I don't think that those those are people who, who take advice from me, which is kind of no. the the challenge no. here. And and yeah. that's uh, you know, it kind of brings me to the one other thing I wanted to kind of talk to you about was that you you uh for for a while you wrote you wrote some stuff at what was that. The dispatch or the bulwark or the bulwark bulwark, bulwark. The bulwark. Okay. I can't, I keep I constantly yeah.
1: confuse. We can't those two. confuse it too no. because the bulwark <laughs> is anti-Trump right, and the dispatch is anti-Trump right. Yeah,
0: you know they're <laughs> they're,
1: they're the same. Yeah, but yeah. but at the, at the same time, one
0: thing that I found so interesting about you know your work there, your your writing tended to have this very like, you know. Someone who is to the left of their usual reader base, yeah, t- trying to kind of get in there and kind of explain where you're coming from and where yeah. a lot of people are coming from, and I think that that's extremely helpful stuff. Oh yeah, but it resulted in a lot of like backlash were- from the pro-Trump folks. <laughs> oh,
1: they were mad. I mean. I have never made anyone madder than when I tweeted about this. You know, what's interesting is like, I come from such a bubble because remember, I live in New York. I've always lived in New York. I So when I went to CPAC and I heard this anti-choice thing, I was like, these people are lunatic. Like, I couldn't even believe, like, I was like, this isn't pseudoscience. This is like pseudo insane. These people are insane. And People were so mad at me. They were like, How dare you be pro choice? I was like, You guys are, I, I didn't even know. I mean, I sort of knew this, but like, I, you know, I don't have any friends who are, who are anti choice. I mean, it's like a basic, you know, most of the population is pro choice. I mean, with some caveats, but so when they were so upset about that, I was like, You guys, And even, and what's interesting is at the Bulwark, and I love them, like I'm friends with all of them to this day. I love them. And they're very, some of them are some of the smartest writers and thinkers, but a lot of them are pro-life or anti-choice. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, a lot of them grew up Catholic and that's like very, you know, something they learned when they were young and they're very attached to it. it To me, it strikes me as like just, and you know, it's funny because it's like, I never had an abortion And I never had, but I never had like strong, but I did have this one kid who had this, who we thought I was going to have to abort. Mm -hmm. And I wrote about this for the journal, which got people crazy too, but like went before the Wall Street Journal opinion page lost its mind, which is about four years ago. But like, (laughs) um, but I talked about like how, you know, I had this chance of having a baby that was going to die of this degenerative disease. And it was not even a question to me, like I would have an abortion. Like I'm not going to bring into the world a child that's going to die of a degenerative g- disease. Like life is fucking hard enough. And they were like, it's eugenics. And I, I mean, so it is, you are dealing, and I mean, I'm sure you have, you know, you think about this too. Is like, you're dealing with a group of people who have no sense of how any of this works
0: yeah you know. I mean that 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 happens that happens a lot especially you know when it comes to uh trans issues that's always fun yeah. when, when there are people who are like it should be illegal to for trans people to get medication and stuff and it's like
1: wait why you know well, and-, be- and trans is a abo- I, I, I honestly think trans issues they're so obsessed with it yeah. because they're just they think they can get people ex- they're people excited about it yeah
0: well and that's you know, I, I think it all kind of plays into that. And one of the things that I used to try to do more of this, which was just kind of be the like, hey, look, I'm the trans person who the big, scary trans person, yeah. you know, I am I am not uh, you know, I am not eagerly sneaking into locker rooms. (laughs) The locker room
1: thing is so insane. Yeah.
0: Well, it's like, first off, locker rooms and bathrooms, they're disgusting. Yeah. I mean, like that is, that is a problem in itself, but the obsession was always so weird. And it was all, it's always so frustrating because there's no, there's nothing you can say that will change, change people's minds on a lot of this stuff, which is, which is frustrating. And, what always just gets me is that how the people who are weighing in often are, are the people who have no, no stakes, no skin in the game, you know, when it comes to, hey, should, you know, should your trans kid be allowed to get, uh, see a therapist or, should, right. you know, should a trans adult be allowed to, should Medicare cover surgeries yeah. and, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, the people who are very loud, like, inserting their opinions here, they don't have trans kids. No. They are not trans themselves. No. They are just like, I don't like this. It's icky yeah. to me. And so it should yeah. be illegal. And that's kind of the the same sort of and- thing with with abortion that, yeah. that, that comes up a lot, where it's, it's a lot of dudes or a lot of, like, people who not only – wouldn't want to have an abortion themselves, which is a very legitimate position. That's totally fine. But want to go out of their way to make it illegal for other people to access, you know, whatever.
1: Well, the abortion issue is like it's not I am not radically and profoundly pro-choice for my daughter because I know that I can get her an abortion if she needs one. I am radically and profoundly pro-choice for the woman who lives in in Ludville, Texas or whatever, you know, wherever, Texas, who has to who can't take a day off work and has to drive, you know, 48 miles to get an abortion. And you know what I mean? Like or really hundreds of miles to get an abortion. I mean, I'm pro-choice for her because those are the women who end up you know, suffering. It's not the women in the blue, it's not the women in the blue states. It's the women in the red states who are underrepresented, who can't, you know, and that I think is really the important thing. But just to get back to the the debate for a second, that I had someone come to me earnestly and say to me, it's all about women's sports. And I was like, what? I was like, when have you guys ever cared about women's sports?
0: Yep. That happens so much. That's uh, it. it, Well, so the funny thing is, so back in the back in the seventies, there was a tennis player named Renee Richards who was, uh, she was trans and she wanted to compete in the U.S. Open, and she did, and she won a court case in New York, and that was the whole whole thing. And so she competed in the U.S. Open, and the big concern was. Oh, this, this person's gonna dominate because blah blah blah. Grew up, uh, you know, testosterone, this that, whatever. And then she lost. And right. then you know, she she was a mediocre right. uh, tennis player, which right. you know, it, it had like there are certain situations where, sure, yeah, a trans trans athlete might have an advantage, but that the, yeah. the, the response is always. You know, which is my response, which is always super unsatisfying to everyone is it depends. Right. You know, oh, do trans athletes have an advantage? Sometimes depends on what the sport Sport is, is. how long they've been on hormones, what their age is, you know, all of these things factor in there. But the people who are arguing the other side of this pretend to care so much about women's sports. They're like, no, no, we need to make sure that. You know, eight year old, eight year old trans kids who haven't gone through puberty. Right. So they very clearly do not have, and it like puberty is the moment when you start to see it one way or the other. And it's like if someone hasn't gone through puberty and you're still blocking them, you don't care about fairness. You're just you're just it, being a jerk. You just want to exclude yeah. these people or to or yeah. to force them into a gender box that doesn't quite quite work for them. And I think that. don't know, just again, it's, it's, it's something that, I mean, I love sports. I am not very good at sports uh, and I have no intention of trying to, you know, go, go on to the Olympics or whatever. Um, But I care about this issue because I know a lot of people who do want to compete in sports. And especially when it comes to like high school or or even college, just people who want to find something that they're, that they can, like, make friends, where they can make friends. Yeah. That's what the point of school sports generally is. Most people don't go on to become pro athletes. right? And, you know, yeah. even in this most recent Olympics, there was a... Um,
1: right, a, I was a, thinking about that.
0: Yeah, there was a, there was a trans uh, woman who, from, I think she was from New Zealand. She was a, uh, like, a weightlifter. And right. I saw that she qualified, my, my initial thought, which I, I felt horrible about, was... Oh God! I hope she loses, <laughs> which yeah. is i, I which she and, did and 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 she did, but yeah but i i I couldn't stop thinking about what sort of just sort of chaos it would be if she won a gold medal, and yeah. you know instead she she like just b- didn't even finish she she yeah she was not you know and yeah, but still, it was something that there there was this anxiety within me, and I, I was yeah. like, "Oh God, am I rooting against this person?" And so then I just made a point of not watching her her thing because I didn't want to feel any attachment to the results in that. And then of course, yeah. you know, in the in the end, it didn't matter that she she lost. They still said, "Well, this is still proof she took a she took a spot from someone who would have deserved it." And it's just like you can I mean, never win. They just move those goalposts right, right. along,
1: you know. And But the obsession is, I mean, it is, I mean, it sh- is proof that a lot of these conservatives are bad faith actors. Yeah. And it's so
0: frustrating to try to have the, have actual, sub, you know, substantive conversations when, pe- with people where it's like, okay, let's find, let's find that middle ground. I'm always happy to talk with someone who's like, I have concerns about trans issues. Can you kind of talk me through them? And it's right. always like you know, when I, when I do have conversations with people who maybe aren't on board with, you know, all, er, everything in the world or whatever, you know, but I will kind of have it and hopefully we will, we will have conver- a conversation. You can come away thinking, okay, I may not agree, but I understand this a little better, which is, right. which is all I ask for, you know, when I, but when I, I, yeah, but yeah. Too but many I still think don't. you're
1: asking for too little. I mean, fuck I them. I mean, like, you don't agree with my, what I want to do with my body? Fuck you. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it's it's like gay marriage. Like, if it offends you, don't go to the wedding. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I don't know. This is like, they're the party of, you know, a personal responsibility and limited government, and yet they want to make sure that you use the bathroom they like.
0: Yeah, which is always... Interesting when it's like, okay, how would you enforce this? And they're like, oh, we haven't thought that through. Right, because the only way you can enforce that is if you're, like, looking down people's pants as they're going into the bathrooms, which is yeah. extremely weird and definitely not small government.
1: Right. I mean, they're like, it's funny, because it's like the people who rail against the nanny state are the nanny state. You know, I mean, now, I mean, a great example is DeSantis fighting with the cruise ships yep. and the schools, because he doesn't want schools to be able to make a decision for themselves. Yeah.
0: And I I think that there's just something, something in politics that, that really there are so many blind spots there that I I don't think are necessarily intentional, but they exist Mm -hmm. where people go, Oh, cancel culture's gone, gone too far. And then it'll be, Oh, okay. Well, also we are going to boycott this channel for airing a show or whatever, you know? That, that's what one of those issues that's kind of just made me just think, like, what universe are some people living in where they're like, oh, the, the left cancels everything. Well, I just read a story about some church pastor who got fired for um, talking about uh, the vaccines being safe. Right. And, you know, or, you know, Tommy Laren got, got fired from her show on uh, Glenn Beck's The right. Blaze Channel because she went on the View and talked about how she was pro-choice, yeah. and they were like, "That is inconsistent with our values." Goodbye. Yeah. And so hypocrisy, just in the sort of you know, in terms of politics, it's it's everywhere. I mean, but yeah. I, I I think I, given that I'm on the left, I notice it on the right a lot more.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But it's it's something that I I don't know if it's intentional, but I also know that pointing out the hypocrisy doesn't seem to do much, which is, no. which is frustrating, which is, which is something that I, I want to try to like, I don't know, the, the general theme of this newsletter and podcast is. communication, And I want, I want to understand communication better. You know, I want yeah. to understand how to, how to come back to this, to a single shared reality, at least like, we don't have to I agree know. on things, but we can, we at least agree on like, the facts of yeah. of exist. Not you know. Not yeah. tell ourselves these sort of stories that make our side look great and their side look bad. And, yeah. You know. I'm just... No, it's, it's I... exhausting.
1: <laughs> I agree. You know, I mean, that is really important. I mean, the idea of a shared reality, and we see because the mo- the media is so siloed and there's this conservative media that is, like, operating in its own, as you know. I mean, you mm, yeah. have worked for the sort of pros of this, so you have really... You really know what this is about. But I agree. I mean, it's really... It's so... It's just distressing. And you wonder, like, it, it just... I. I'm shocked at how bad it's gotten.
0: Yeah, it seems to be getting worse too. Which
1: Yeah. Is shocked. Yeah.
0: It's it's grim. worrying. And and that's something that um, you know, hopefully hopefully uh it gets better, but I don't I don't know. I I, I try not to let I try not to let the anxiety that fuels every part right. of my life also fuel this
1: part. True. It's, hard. it's a good, it's a that's a good point. And I do think it's like, you know we can only do, I mean, that's the thing with my anxiety. Sometimes, like, I suffer from really bad anticipatory anxiety. So, like, the night before a plane ride, I'll be, like, checking the weather and feeling sick and not wanting to. And, like, one of the things I'll do is I'll be like, where am I right now? Like, am I in an airplane right now? No, I'm in my house. Like, am I okay? What number am I in anxiety now? I mean, I've literally had to do every, like, basic anxiety trick in the book, which has helped me with the pandemic. I mean, I also think being sober has helped me because like, I can go to AA meetings and I can like talk about my anxiety, but, um, that has really helped, you know, all the mental health stuff has really like, I've had to really use it.
0: Yeah. That, uh, same. (laughs) I
1: mean, (laughs) like that's,
0: I, I, it's, it's the same way with, with me, you know, if I, if I get a, um, you know, back before the pandemic, if I, um, like a speaking gig scheduled in right. the like days leading up to like my flight. I'm like, oh no, I think I'm getting the flu. I, maybe yeah. I should cancel. And, like, and then I get there and I get on the plane the whole time I'm going there. I feel, I feel sick to my stomach and all of the, Man. all of the physical manifestations of, of anxiety just kind of build up, build up. And then I go and do the thing. I give the speech and then it's, fine. It's over. It's like, oh, wait, no, I was fine. Oh, it turns out I wasn't sick. This was all in my head. But being in my head can become real, which is why I think a lot of the distinctions between, oh, this is just in your head and, you know, oh, this is just on the internet. Those sorts of things are kind of cop outs from, from acknowledging that things like your, your mental health affects your physical health and Oh yeah, the internet is part of real life. You know, oh, yeah. it, it might not be all of real life, but right. it's
1: no, it's the, there. the, the internet, there are two things that like, I am there that really get me agitated. The idea that the internet is not real life and the idea that Twitter is bad. Like you are lucky you get to interact with people. It is a privilege. Like if you don't like Twitter, then don't go on it. But like, there is incredible, you get to like, you get to read a book and then find the author and tell them their book is great. Like, it's amazing. Like, I, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I'm 43 now. So when I was 20 years ago, you couldn't do stuff like that. You know, you'd write a letter to the New York Times and maybe someone would see it and probably they wouldn't. And like, so this is so cool. This is the coolest thing ever. Like, You can, so, so like, if you don't like it, don't go, you know, we don't, you know, that, that thing where people say how much they hate Twitter, and also how the internet isn't real, like, okay, it doesn't have to be real for you. Yeah, then you you
0: can, you know, step away from it. And I think, I think that part of what gets built into that, then they complain about the, oh, the internet, uh, I, the internet makes me sad and makes me angry, which I mean, that happens to me <laughs> definitely a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but they'll, you know, at the same time, don't want to log off because there's this sort of fear of, of being, you know, if you, if you don't exist online, do you exist? You know, that right. sort of thing where it's, it's this hyper realism of the internet that uh, kind of sticks around. But, Yeah. Yeah. Molly, Molly, just thank you so much. Thank you. This This has been
1: great. And I, this was great. Yeah. I, you will please come back sometime. Yes. Are you (laughs) anytime? And I'm excited to like, get this out there too. Yeah. I'm sure people will like really enjoy this crossover. Yeah. this fun. yeah. And I'm glad I love, you know, Getting to talk about mental health stuff is like, especially right now, is I'm thrilled. Yeah. I, I, thank you. And so. that,
0: I, I was excited to to be able to chat with you about this because it's just, you know, I I, th- I think a lot of a lot of the time, people who tend to write about politics a lot, whether it's me or you, you yeah, know, it's like we both do that. That that there there's this feeling that our lives center around this and that that there aren't other factors but i mean this is a nice nice human sort of conversation and things that we're all kind of dealing with it maybe that is the key to getting people on the same page just to Uh, find these weird little tiny commonalities to cling to or not i don't know (laughs) (laughs) anyway well have me back thank you absolutely all right That's today's show. Thank you to Molly Jong Fast for joining me. As always, you can find a full transcript of today's episode at readthepresentage.com.